If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 16. Today our text will be the final few verses in this book. We will read verses 25 through 27 in just one moment. I want to welcome every single one of you here today. The Lord has already blessed us to be gathered like this, to lift up our voices in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. We sang just a few moments ago, more than any of our sorrows, Jesus is better. Whatever you are facing, you have come to the right place. You've woken up early and brushed your teeth and you have arrived. And Lord willing, as we hear a word together, we will be built up and edified. Um, I missed you the last couple weeks. I want to thank the guys who filled the pulpit for me. They did an amazing job. We bring you greetings from family from overseas. You, you know me. I'm a, bit of a, um, I'm a bit of a structure guy. I'm a bit of an order guy. I like straight lines, not kind of crooked lines. And um, I had the privilege of uh, preaching a couple times um, overseas. And just, I have my system I stay within. Um, we were sitting up front, and, and Wendy's holding our newest little grandson, Calvin. And, and just as I was being introduced to, to preach as a, as a visiting pastor, dear Calvin threw up right down Pop-Pop's leg, the, the whole leg. And there's just, there's, there's, there's no cool way to recover from that one. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, um, God's word is sufficient. The Holy Spirit was still present. The Word is still the Word. Looked a little funny, but um, with a two-month-old little one, what a delight to spend time with family, even when they throw up on you. <clears throat> we, um, we have a lot of ground to cover. I know you're like, well, that's a short one. Let me, let me just tell you, as we conclude this text, the book of Romans, I want to announce to you... Um, Next week, and for the next several weeks, you want to make it a priority to be here. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but individuals are under attack. Families are under attack. Our students are under attack. And churches. Uh, I'm going to be moving off of an expositional study that we've been doing for the last two plus years in the book of Romans. We're actually going to be looking at a topical study for the next probably month, month and a half, called spiritual warfare, what the church needs to understand. I don't know if there's a more urgent of a time for us to be well aware as far as the wiles and the tactics and the fiery darts of the evil one. And according to the truth of the gospel and the word of God, how we address that appropriately. And so I would, I would just simply ask that as a church, as we kind of take those steps that we are praying together for one another as we will, we, will, we will shine light into very, very dark areas. So make sure you know next, next Sunday we will begin that series. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we dive into our final text in the book of Romans this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you 
more than any sorrow that, that any one of us could ever experience. Some right now facing great sorrow. That Jesus is better. And it's upon his name that we come directly to you, the throne room of grace. And Lord, we plead for help this morning that as we open up your word and we hear it preached, that we would hear from you. Lord, you, you, have, you have encouraged my heart this week through this text. And I pray, Lord, that we together as faithful followers of Jesus would be encouraged by just considering the greatness and the glory of you. Father, may everything that is said and done be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this amazing and wonderful, matchless name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. <clears throat> As I've said, we've journeyed two plus years, actually over two years in Rome. It's a book that has been viewed as a foundation, quote, I call it posting theological stanchions of Orthodox Biblical Christianity. And I think it was Donald Gray Barnhouse, one of my heroes, by way of students of the Book of Romans, who responded best to the question, why Romans? Like, what's the big deal with Romans? Barnhouse says, because the Epistle of Romans has the most complete diagnosis of the plague of man's sin and the most glorious setting forth of the simple remedy of justification by faith apart from works of the law, end quote. Which is really what? That's part of the overall theme of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 holds this truth. The righteous shall live by faith. And it's refreshing to us that there is no single work that you can do or need to do in order to earn or win salvation. It's the work of Christ and Christ alone. We divide all of Romans into basically two sections. The overall outline versus uh, chapters 1 through 11 is this theological truth. What do we believe about justification, sanctification, glorification? And then chapters 12 through 16, how do we live in response to that? The practical application, understanding what spiritual gifts have been given to us. How we use them to edify and build up the body of Christ within here, but also what? As we move to the othermost parts of the world. Lord willing, my prayer has been is that you've had an understanding. We've spoken about the triune God, scripture, sin, salvation. Not only firming up our faith with important theological ramifications, but, but how, do we, how do we speak up about the greatest message, the best news, the only message of hope in a hurting world, the good news of the... Lord Jesus Christ. So now we come to this text, and it's really the question, what do we do with this? So what? Now what? What is our response to all of this? We pause, and we give praise. We pause, and we give thanks. Thanksgiving. There's this idea that we have right now before us of celebration. But the problem is this. We don't do celebration today very well. The reason is that if you celebrate everything, you're really celebrating nothing. We, we actually have set a pretty low bar 
of celebration. Like anything gets celebrated today. I was, I was, I was thinking about what graduation used to be. Remember graduation after, what, 12, 13 hard years? They put a silly little hat on you and they march you up in front. Now what happens? There's, there's pre-K celebra- uh, graduation. Like you've accomplished nothing. But we still put the hat on you. March, and there's kindergarten graduation. And then there's elementary school graduation. And then you graduate from junior high. And there's like so many graduations. It's kind of like, what, what exactly are we celebrating anyway? At some level, that's really, if you celebrate everything, you're really celebrating, that's really very childish. It was a delight to spend time with the boys, and our middle grandson, Theodore Knox, is in the, what, year and a half, almost two years, so he's just getting his vocabulary kind of off the ground. And he's got the basics, he's got Dada, he's got Mama, Okay, he's got Yaya, that's his older brother, Levi. And he was able to work through pop-pops pretty good. It sounds a little bit more like bop-bop, but that's okay. But, but he was not getting Mimi. Like, it just, it just wasn't happening. Mimi is, 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 is Wendy. And he, he can't say Mimi, like, he's just, it's not working. So we're about halfway. We're there for about an entire week. How about Mimi? Come on, a little bit of Mimi. Give me something. Pop-pop, Yaya. How about Mimi? The eighth day, he just, out of the blue, first thing in the morning, gets up. He's like right here, Mimi! And everybody, whoa, we cheer. Whoa, we got Mimi. And he was, he was, he was mesmerized by the fact that everyone is cheering that he has now got the word Mimi down. The problem is this. He would never say it again until everyone cheered. (laughs) And it's kind of the same idea. We have this really low, like we have to, whoa. And if you celebrate everything, you're really celebrating nothing at all. Not so when it comes to the word and the work of God. Today, we get a glimpse of true, valued celebration and why it is so important. The, the, the heading, a lot of times in your, in your scriptures, you have a heading over, and it's called the doxology. A doxology, literally two Latin words, doxa, which means glory. Logos, which means word. It's, this is a word of glory. Oftentimes, it's a short hymn of praises to God in various forms of our worship. It often is at the end of canticles, psalms, and hymns, a tradition that derives from a similar practice in the Jewish synagogue where some version of the Kadash serves to to end each section of the service. A lot of times we're familiar with singing the doxology. 17th century Anglican bishop Thomas Ken wrote, and I will not sing for you this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Today, what we're going to do, I'm going to ask right now that, that you stand. We're, we're going to, we're actually, we're not going to sing it, but I'm going to ask that you stand together. The words will be in front of you, and we're going to read out loud together as one family this text of Scripture, the doxology, the closing words from the letter Paul wrote to the church at Rome. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's read together. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, the mystery was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Two points I want to give to you this morning. First one is this. We should praise God and offer glory to God first and foremost for his unlimited strength. Notice the wording here. <clears throat> Let's remember to whom this doxology, this word of glory, is directed. Notice it says to him. And we're going to see this both at the start and at the end. Both of it's to him who is able to strengthen you. And this is absolutely important, extremely important, not only for first century Christians that, that are receiving this letter in the Church of Rome, but it's extremely important for us in the 21st century whom the Holy Spirit is speaking to. To him who is able to strengthen you, which means that there's, there's only one. There's only one who is truly and divinely able to, another translation uses the phrase, establish you. Another translation says there's only one who's able to make you strong. There's only one, which literally means what? If you look at the inverse of that, there's no one else. There, there's nothing else that can do that. Jeremiah chapter 20, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 32 says, Ah, Lord God. It is you who made heavens and earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. So where does this place our attention? It means this. There's no politician. There's no president. There's no prince that comes riding in on a white horse that is going to rescue you or strengthen you or sustain you. Not only is there, there no one else can do that, there's nothing else. You can focus on a thousand different things that the world is saying you better focus on. Pursue all the wealth that you want to pursue. Pursue worldly success and accolades, power. You can search for value and meaning, credibility. You can focus on government or political party. You can, you can focus on yourself. You can, you can worship your own family, your own happiness. You can focus on your own health, yourself, and it will not, it cannot 
sustain you. It cannot strengthen you. It cannot establish you like Jesus can. The, the gospel, and this is the marvelous truth, the gospel always centers on Jesus Christ. The gospel always centers on Jesus Christ. That one is worthy of our praise. Now, how important is that message today? How needed is that message today? And I want to be careful here when I say this. It's, I, don't, I don't know if there's ever been a time before in, in our history, let alone in our own lives right now. I don't think there's ever been a time, and I'm not, I'm not stretching that. I don't think there's ever been a time that we need to be strengthened more than, than right now. Our, our, our children are being taught, no, you really can't define what a boy is. Yeah, you really can't define boy or, or girl. Like, we just can't go there. Like that, that's, that's literally what we're hearing. That's what our children are being taught. I, I read this week of a, a politician who's running for an office, and, and, and they said this, that abortion, it's an economic issue. So, apparently, if you just can't afford this little one, it's, it's okay to eliminate, to murder them. And that, that's like, that's a platform that they're like trumpeting in front of everyone else. Like, is, is, there, is there something really, really twisty here by way of just a political confusion? Like, what's up, what's down? And we hear of this looming economic crisis, looming what, potential global war. And at some level, it's not a stretch to say, it really looks like, and I'm not exaggerating, it really looks like, people have asked me questions about that, it seems like the world is literally crumbling down around us. We all, we all know about the story, the events it happened at the World Trade Center, September the 11th. I know that many of you are young and remind us of how old we are because you weren't born yet. Just this week I heard of a particularly moving first-hand, first-hand event story of one woman who miraculously survived the collapse of the North Tower that horrible, horrible day. She, she tried to make her way down the long stairwell from her office on the 64th floor. She got to the 13th floor, and that's when the entire tower began to crumble. And, and she literally fell to the ground as the building continued to, to collapse around her. And she dropped 13 floors and ended up with her head pinned between two concrete pillars and her legs trapped in a staircase. She said her own words. Quote, I, I, I saw that no one came and I wasn't hearing any noises around me. So I thought, I'm going to die here. I'm going to see myself slowly die here. The young mother prayed 
She slept. She prayed some more. At one point, she just asked God, please, I need a miracle. That's when she heard noises. She yelled out, and someone answered back. She had been trapped under tons of debris for 27 hours. And here's how she described what happened next. I took a piece of concrete and I knocked the stair above me. And when they heard the knocking, they started to come closer. Then I put my hands through a little tiny crack in the ceiling and I felt the person hold my hand. The fireman found my hand and he said, I've got you. And I said, thank God. And she was the last person pulled alive from the wreckage of the World Trade Centers. Now, I know it it may seem impossible. It may even seem absurd. But I honestly believe that you can summarize the entire book of Romans. That's 16 chapters. That's 433 verses of perfect and powerful doctrinal truth with these words. I've got you. Not, not, not the cheesy, he gets us, he understands. No, no, this is different. A hand that is reaching out in desperation, praying the only way I'm going to survive is through a miracle that there's one, there's only one who says, I've got you. If you're worn out, as many of you are, people singing this morning with hands raised and tears just streaming down their faces. When you're worn like that, there's one who says, I've got you discouraged like it's not happening according to my plan this stinks there's one who says i've i've got you frightened every single time that you turn on the television that you get another news feed in the morning there's one there's only one that's why we need to listen that's why we need to focus that's why we need to sing about and celebrate Jesus there is only one who not only reached down but he came down to save you it says that he emptied himself he took the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men Just like us, yet without sin. Romans 5, we studied about the fact that God shows his love for us. He shows his love for us. Don't tell me about your love. Show it. And God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, while we were trapped in need of a miracle, it says that Christ died for us. You see, it's it's that one It's not the silliness of the fake celebrations that the world is saying you better celebrate. No, it's this one. It's that one, that truth, that message, that reality that deserves our focused praise. 
The Apostle Paul concludes, he ends, he terminates the entire letter of Romans by emphasizing the fact that everything is to be directed to him. And what he does is he builds this, and this is fascinating to see, is that he gives three proofs for it. He gives three evidences, three assurances. It's all to be directed to him. Why? Because it says three times the word, according to, according to my gospel, According to the revelation, according to the command. You just read those words. I heard it. The assurance is according to my gospel and the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. In some sense, and we were talking about it, some of us, Paul's saying, it's, it's my gospel? Well, is it my gospel and your gospel? No, it's, it's the message that he was preaching. Simply saying, Paul is the preacher of this. And if you think about it, if the words of this particular doxology sound a little bit almost familiar, and some of you would have probably better memories than I would. If, if it sounds a little reminiscent, it's correct because how do you, in a sense, end arguably the greatest letter ever written, but by focusing on exactly the, the way that you started the letter? And in and, and Romans chapter 1, it literally begins in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. You see what's happening here? What a great communicator emphasizes the last words, and he focuses on the first words, and they both reflect the importance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying here? He's saying that the single reason, the sole basis, the final authority, and the proof of everything that the Apostle Paul has written over these past 16 chapters is the gospel that he has carefully preached and proclaimed, the good news. And think about this. It is a message that is not only contradicted the entire world's approach of how you pursue righteousness— it, it totally is opposite of what the world says, how you're to be justified. But it actually is described as what? It's a message that has turned the world upside down. It literally shook the world. Justification through one? One perfect, sinless life that suffers and dies on behalf of all mankind? That it's by Faith in that work is sufficient to declare us righteous. And not only has that one life died, but that one life has been resurrected from the dead. And it's a message that has been faithfully preached. Churches have been established, and the world has never been the same since the good news of the gospel had gone out. The work of God, not man. I've got you. Rest in that. Rejoice in that. Not only does Paul say, is this according to my gospel, but he says what? It's according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret. But now it's been disclosed. Now it's been made known through the prophetic writings. It was, it was, it was a mystery. It was dark. And the mystery was made known. Again, if that sounds a little bit similar, go right back again to Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. 
what does Paul continue to say? A servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is he doing? He's talking about this is a precise plan. From the very foundations of the earth being set, that this message has been carefully unfurled, even through the voices of Old Testament prophets thousand years before Jesus ever arrived on the scene. And we see it all the way through that there was one who arrives who will crush the head of the serpent. Who were who, who they? Who, who's that? That's all the way back. That's all the way back to go. It's speaking of Jesus. And we see types of Jesus all the way through. The ark that saves Noah and his family. It's a type of Jesus who shows us it's in him you're going to be safe. The tabernacle. What? Jesus tabernacled amongst us. We see Jesus in that. We see Jesus in, in what? The person of, of, of David, the shepherd boy. You've heard it's not about you. You're not David. Points to the fact. Everything points to the fact. From the general to the very specific Micah chapter 2, what? There's a little tiny town. I was there last week. There's a little tiny town. But this one's going to be born. The very specific by his stripes, as you just envision the Roman lashes cutting open the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his stripes, you're healed. He was pierced as you envision the nails being driven through. You you see, all of this was a mystery that was made known. It points us to the one and the only one who says, I've got you. I've got you. He concludes and he says, according to the command of the eternal God, it, it, it necessarily, and it's, it's important for us to direct our attention to the one who is in all authority, who has all final authority. God commands, and what happens? Creation, all of creation responds. Do a study. Actually, I'm excited because we're going to deal spiritual warfare. And then January 1... Literally January 1, we're starting Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 for the next like 27 years. I'll be in the book of Genesis. But, but we're going to look at how many times do we read this phrase, and God said, and how many times do you read this phrase, and it was, and it was. Just a spoken word, just the breath of his command, and everything Response. Matthew Henry says the commandments of the everlasting God was enough to bear out the apostles and ministers of the gospel in their preaching. Every time the gospel was spoken, God is revealing himself. The utterance of his word from eternity past to presently is sufficient to save. The result, what is it? To bring about the obedience of faith. Lives 
are changed. People have a desire to follow. There's something spirit-born within that says, I put my faith and I will live my life in accordance to, to his word. I'll pursue holiness as he is holy. There's a response to this. Secondly, we should praise and offer glory to God for his unending wisdom. Remember I said it, it kind of bookends to him both times, verse 25 and verse 27. Now we see what? To the only wise God be glory forever and ever. As much confidence as we have in the gospel, as certain as we are of God's fulfilled prophecies, as powerful as the commands of God, we are all reminded in this final statement, in this majestic manuscript, which points us to, and it literally magnifies what is needed, the infinite wisdom of God. To the one who is all wise. And what I love about this is that God is also the giver of wisdom. What, what do we need today? What does the church of Jesus Christ need today? People will ask me, and I'm so grateful for your faithful prayers. We would not exist apart from your faithful prayers. People ask me, Pastor Tim, is there something specific that I can be praying for? Yes, number one, always, I need more wisdom. It says what? If you lack wisdom, that's me, and you pray for it, and God will grant it. James, what, actually describes, just think about the wisdom that the giver of wisdom gives to us. It's described like this wisdom from above that is first pure. It's unspotted from the impurities. What does the church need to be today? What is your life and your family and your marriage? How do we raise our children? Teaching them what is right, what is unspotted, what is pure. Wisdom from above is first pure. It's peaceable. The nasty attacks that people send back and forth through the social media garbage. No, 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 that's not the church. That's not how those who of us who have been rescued. It's pure, it's peaceable. It's gentle. Gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere. How how much is that needed today? If someone were to, to put you on the wisdom scale, according to these words, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to dialogue, full of mercy, good fruits, how, how are you, how's your character, your, your voice, your words, going to measure up on that scale. Is he a wise man? Is she a wise woman or not? May I remind you what the opposite of wise is? You fool. God has reached down his hand. He has come to you and he says, I've got you. And we're to live accordingly. You've not even acknowledged the wisdom that God offers. This morning, if, you, if you've been rescued by Jesus, then, then, then your, your orders, it could, it could not be more clear. Like, this is not rocket science. 
I love the words of Jude. He says, verses 20, but, but you, beloved, you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. I love this. And have mercy on those who doubt. Don't throw rocks at them. They're blind. Have mercy on those who doubt. Listen to this. And save others by snatching them out of the fire. I I just love the word choice there. We have a responsibility. What, as someone has reached down to us, what are we supposed to be doing? To reach down to others, offer to rescue them. And, and that includes people that don't even know. They don't even know that they need to be rescued. You understand why our attention needs to be drawn to this one. Let me wrap this up. We've seen firsthand here this church at Rome, and it's also given to us a glimpse for how the gospel impacts. We've seen, hopefully, a focus on the, the accuracy of our belief system, of our theology, in emphasis and the importance of knowing doctrinal truth. Hopefully, we've seen that. We need to be accurate. We've talked about the clarity that is needed in understanding who we are, our spiritual gifts, the way the Holy Spirit leads us and empowers us, using them to build up the body of Christ. Hopefully we've talked about the the relevancy to the message of the gospel. In all of our ministries, we keep the focus on what we've been called to do in in our prayer lives, in our making disciples, in our emphasis on what? caring for one another within our own community, local ministry, in our, in our missions as we go global. Hopefully we understand and we've learned that's what we're supposed to do. And yet we hear again and again and again, but we live, Pastor Tim, in a time of great uncertainty. Really? It's uncertain to me, it's uncertain to you, but it is not a time of great uncertainty. It may be uncertain to us, it is not uncertain to God. We gather every other Wednesday night as elders. And I appreciate those who faithfully pray, and particularly those who have been taken the time to encourage elders and pastors over the last couple of weeks. And we, 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 we do the best that we can, lifting up names, lifting up some of your names and family members. And I am so blessed to be surrounded by good and godly, good and godly men. Those men have wept for you and prayed faithfully for you. And that is our work. We're called to shepherd, and we'll do the best that we can. We won't always do it perfectly. And we have a responsibility to 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 pray and to plan as we strive to move forward. But at some level, yes, we keep our 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 church on mission. We're to love God first and we love people seconds in that order. We're to keep our, our, our vision sharp. 
Are we establishing ministries where we can build relationships so that God is glorified first and foremost? That's why we exist. And lives are changed, transformed through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we do everything according to that mission and that vision. And ultimately, every one of us knows we can and we should plan. We'll do the best that we can. But ultimately, it comes back to the fact that what? We're, we're going to trust God. It is his church. It's not ours. And I love how it says in Matthew 16, I will build my church. Take your little grubby hands off of it. I will build my church. And I love this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As is normal this time of the year, and this is how a little bit of a turn by way of just I said, and we had announced we're going to bring some updates as far as where we're at. What is normal this time of the year is that we examine all the ministries. We talk to ministry leaders. We examine budgets. We meet with finance team, um, um, Zane and, and Bill, Haley and, and Holly. We with our church treasurer, Tom, and, and, and those guys have carefully poured over, and they're like numbers people, and they analyze giving trends and spreadsheets and, you know, the squiggly lines, like there's a lot of squiggly lines. They do that stuff. They do it well. And if you recall something, it was, it was almost exactly, I, think, I don't know if it was this weekend, but I think it's exactly 12 months ago because it was in October at some point, that if you remember our church, there was a lot of like half-finished, there was a lot of incomplete projects. Things that had got started and, and kind of stalled. Or, and so we prayed together and we planned together. And I remember Scott Heckman stood up here and Bill Newman and Eric Evans and myself, and we presented to you, it's going to be big, okay, a month of giving. We had a day of giving in the past, a month of giving. And we're going to finish strong. Remember that? The finish strong initiative. And we're going to put it all together. And we're going to say, Lord, please. Like, we really need your help here. In, in the month of giving and up until the end of the year, do, do you realize that, that you, sitting here, those that have sacrificed, gave over $400,000 to finish every single project. And 12 months from then, you know the Lord has finished and provided and it's paid for everything. The, the bridge loan, which there had already been some put towards that, so we took that, that was number one. The youth room, entirely finished, paid for. The, the front entrance, so people aren't getting poured on and rained on. And the, the parking, where handicapped and wheelchairs couldn't even get in without what going through like four-wheel drive? All of that, all of that, not only has, has the Lord provided for, the work has been done, it's done, praise the Lord. Some of those things have to be buttoned up here in order to use the tool that God has given to us. And we rejoice in God's faithfulness. And now what, now what happens, it's no surprise, you watch the news and you have certainly noticed this in your own grocery bill. The price of eggs is like going through the roof. Eggs? What does a chicken have to do with any of the economy? 
and, and the price of heating oil and electric. And as, as people are crunching numbers, they're like, yeah, we're going to need like a lot more on, on how like, and I actually, I'm like, you know me, I'm a numbers guy. So I was like, okay, how much like just for the next year? Not only what was budgeted, but now to increase just utilities, just electricity, like keeping lights on. And he, $17,000 more what is projected over the next year. And I'm like, wow, like that is really, really challenging. In light of the fact that already, and again, these are the numbers that, that come to, to my desk, in the last quarter, as needs and expenses have gone up, giving has actually gone down the last quarter so that we're 9% under where our budget needs to be. So here's our budget line. We're under that. Now, thankfully, our expenses have been down. So we're not, we're not bleeding, but that trend is not a healthy trend. So we gather together, and, and, and we, have, we have basically one of two options. We can, we can take away our outward focus of the gospel going forward in our community, focusing on the ministries that God has brought to us, we can take away from our, our giving in our missions. In a sense, we can go backwards. Or we can what? We can use all the tools, the resources, communicate clearly to the body, trust the Lord who has been faithful to bless this church and move forward. So you have basically one of two options. We can stop and go backwards or we can say, Lord, whoa. I want to take a step of faith to move forward. Now, this is, and I was doing the math here, a lot of numbers. This is my 12th season in, in going through this budget process. 12th season. And I'm going to report to you, in, in the 12 times that I've been going through this, I have never seen God not provide for the needs at Big Woods Bible Church. I, I'm amazed. But that is not the report I hear from other pastors. Sorry. God has blessed this church. So what do we do? We continue to take steps of faith. So what we're going to do, and, and you're going to be made available for you in the back, okay? Um, budgets in print. Haley's going to have them mailed to you tomorrow to save the cost of paper. So there's copies back there, but there's only one per family, okay? We're being fiscally responsible. But you're going to have an opportunity to pour over those numbers. And on the bottom, there's some emails that you can say, I have a question about this. Please ask any question that you have. We have from now until the business meeting that Pastor Aaron just announced, November the 13th, we need 73.2, 72.3 people. You have plenty of time to examine that and ask any questions that you have to the finance team or to the elders. And I encourage you to do that because you will see some things on there that's like, wait a minute, did you see the price of eggs, Pastor Tim? And we're actually going to, and in that budget, you will see we're actually going to increase, Lord willing, our giving to global missions. I reckon Jalen Ickes, striving to be on the field in the Philippines. And so we're actually praying, Lord, we're well aware that chickens are really struggling. But we're going to trust you to give Eric and Jalen Ickes more to get them to the Philippines. We're actually going to bring on a new missionary family 
with Luke and Juliana Brady and the girls who are going full-time with Ethnos 360 in the global campus preparing missionaries through the Word of God. You're going to see those increases. And you'll also see, and it's going to be the bigger one, okay? And I'll explain to you what it is. You're going to see a, 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 a name, and you're going to see a number, and we're actually presenting to you for the first time today that we will then discuss and actually vote on on a closed ballot during the annual business meeting presenting moving Robbie Mays from an intern of campus ministry to a pastoral staff, a part-time pastoral staff position of associate pastor of campus ministry. In a sense, and I know that they're sitting right here, but that's our biggest ticket item. And let me just, let me just pause for a moment. I don't think there's one person here as the elders unanimously have affirmed the blessing that Robbie and Michaela Mays are to this body. As we have to pivot even in campus ministry, it's, it's kind of moving more towards multiple small groups, life group settings throughout the week. Things look differently than they used to be. And they have been a huge blessing. And so you'll see a number as a part-time staff position. I, I have oftentimes said, and I've told the elders this, three things, three things that I absolutely require for anyone that's going to be brought on staff. In this order, order is important. Number one, godly character, Christ-like character. A constant pursuit of the Lord first and foremost. And Robbie has displayed that, and I am so thankful for that. Number two, in this order, a teachable spirit. Someone who's demonstrated humility. If somebody comes in and says, I know everything about everything, I'm sorry, you probably want to go someplace else. Robbie has displayed a teachable spirit. And thirdly and finally, and it's no secret, I want a hard worker. We work as unto the Lord, and Robbie has proven that. What a blessing this dear couple has been. And I think along the unanimous decision of the elders, it is a wise move to take a step of faith, a big one, in order to bring on this couple. So you will see that. Again, you'll have an opportunity to vote on that at our annual business meeting, November 13th. Also, you will see an increase, as was already announced, as we are establishing Pregnancy Resource Clinic right here in Lock Haven that expands from State College. We've already increased. We just gave them a $5,000 gift to establish things, and we're going to actually increase the giving. Why? Because there is no other more important time to pour into the needs and minister, particularly for the unborn. Now, the elders are, are well aware that these are big steps of faith, significant increases with the rising costs of everything else. And so we're asking you as a matter of prayer, but also understanding and trusting the Lord to provide. So we're actually going to increase our budget by about 12.5% for 2023. Now, now, if you run a business, and from a business standpoint, you look at it and like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That really doesn't add up. Let me remind you that we are to do things decently and in order as a church, but the church is not a business. 
Because what? We serve one. Our Heavenly Father who owns the cattle on a thousand hill and the wealth in every mind. And he has proven over and over and over again and delighted and shocked us in his faithfulness. Someone asked me the question, well, what, what if? What if? What if God chooses not to provide? That's a really good question. And I said, that's a really good question. My response very clearly is what? If the Lord chooses to not provide, then we certainly most carefully will adjust according to his plan. His plan, not ours. And so we will trust him. I, I, was, I was mindful, um, I think, being overseas of the Levites, the priests, as they were crossing the Jordan into the promised land. Remember the instruction, like, you got to step in. And they had to, like, step in before it, before it parted. And it talks about the fact that, that it says the, the hem of their garments were wet. They took a step of faith. That's how I want, that's how we want big woods to function. So please be in prayer about that. Real quickly, a couple more items. This one, this is totally up to you. This is totally up to you. We're proposing something. It's going, to be, oh, maybe it's not a big deal. I think it's a little bit of a big deal. We're actually proposing, this will be voted on at our annual business meeting, a possibility of changing the time of our worship service. Okay? Now, some people are like, <gasps> others are, praise God. So, so we're going to, you're going to have opportunity, please, same address. Just simply say, I, I would like this or I would not like this. We want to hear from you. Basically, it's going to just reverse, and we're going to shorten a little bit. And really what it does is it, get, it allows, I think, an opportunity for more people to participate. So we're looking at starting Sunday school at 9 o'clock a.m. So it's inverted, Sunday school first, 9 o'clock a.m., and a worship service that begins at 10 and then just leaves it, like, wide open. We could preach for hours. <laughs> so, so just, just thoughts on that, okay? If, if, you, if, you are, if you're a, like, no or a yes, different, we still love one another, okay? It's the time of a service. So, so think about that. Talk, would this work better or not? Let us know. We're going to vote. It's not going to be a secret ballot. We're just going to show of hands at the annual business meeting. So we're considering that. Don't say, they're doing it. No, we're considering it, and we need your input, your voice. Good idea or not? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay? We want to afford more people the opportunity to be here. Let me give you another one, another one real quick. Um, we have called as elders in ordination council um, for Stuart Redkay, Pastor Stuart. It says very clearly in Scripture, 1 Timothy 5, you don't, you do not be hasty in the laying, laying on of the hands of a person who's called into pastoral ministry. And so what's that? Basically, uh, there's 16 elders and pastors by way of local churches, colleagues and peers, um, mentors of Stuart, retired pastors, and we're going to gather on November the fifth saturday the council will carefully examine um stewart's doctrinal belief 
and examine his ability to defend core doctrines of the faith. That's going to be for um, at least three hours. You, you're not part of that, okay? Just so you like breathe easily. That'll be the responsibility of the council that has been called. We did this with Pastor Aaron several years ago. And Lord willing, if things go well, that's when we will present Stuart to you and we will officially lay hands on. What does this mean? He continues on in the same task. He, he officially has the, the title reverent in front of his name, if you know anything about ordination council, okay, by way of practical. So be praying about that. Stuart has been a tremendous blessing, tremendously hard worker, and we're grateful for his ministry and the blessing that Cheyenne and he are to our family. So just so that you know that, if, if things go well in the 5th, it'll probably be November the 13th that we will, is that the right day? I think it's November the 13th that we will be um, having the ordination um, laying on them the hands. Finally, just a couple updates on baptism. We look forward. Make sure next week um, you are here to celebrate. I think there's three people that, um, a couple of them brand new believers. They'll uh, uh, be baptized. And then we also look forward to presenting, I think there was 16 or 14, 16? Um, let's call it 15. Um, more numbers than new members who will be presenting to you as we covenant together new membership classes uh, the class has just finished now in light of in light of all of that i know that's a lot i know our time is is gone huge hurdles for us to um kind of trust the lord to go over but as as i as i close what what are two things that are needed as we consider the hurdles and the future, the, the next year, looking forward to Big Woods Bible Church, what, what is needed? If I, if I recall what is needed, the doxology that we just talked about, and we just discussed, we need God's strength to hold us, and we need God's wisdom to guide us. They're the two things that we need. That's all we need. We know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, what he has done. We're the recipients of his amazing grace, his mercies are new every day. We enjoy and celebrate his unconditional love, and we need those two things. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we ask God to continue to bless the future of Big Woods Bible Church. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your faithfulness. We know, Lord, that this has been a long gathering, but I just thank you, Lord, and we give you praise to you, to the one, to the one who's able to strengthen us, the one who has reached down he says, I've got you. The one who has granted to us wisdom from above. We love you. We just ask, Lord, for guidance. May we not be foolish in our decision-making. May we carefully, carefully consider all the factors around us, but most importantly, may we consider you as we make our decisions. Bless us and bless us greatly for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.